Hey there. Welcome to another Tesla Motors Club podcast. My name is Lewis. I'm Mike. I'm Doug. On today's episode, we're going to cover a bunch of updates from yesterday's Investor Day. Uh, we finally get to see the magic dock in the wild, and there's even some more news around FSD Beta's rollout. All that and more in episode 36, which starts now. Gentlemen, we're here. We're back. We made it. This is a very special day to do a <laughs> podcast. Middle, middle of the week, sort of. <laughs> sort of, kind of. Sort of. Oh, man. Investor Day. So lots to talk about. So oh, yesterday, boy. Tesla had their special Investor Day. First time, I guess, doing an Investor Day. And it was several hours of a lot of information, which seemed to disappoint most people. So I guess first, first up, before we dive into the overall or into the details, what was your overall thoughts on it, Mike? Doug, like, let's go with Mike first. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm being somewhat facetious about that. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the techie gabblegook about the manufacturing processes and the improvements they did, and how they've reduced costs and really increased efficiency. That was amazing stuff. I. I I geeked out on that. I'll be the first to say. However, I think the average consumer, which was looking for maybe like a new model car or a little more information about FSD or anything, you know, Cybertruck was sorely disappointed. It just Fair. didn't seem to be much there for the average consumer. Okay. What about you, Doug? Where, where did you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I was just wondering why did they do this and why did they do it now? I mean, the talk was the kind of thing that, they tend to do for their annual meeting and you know that's an investor oriented thing they've already recently done an ai day and this thing they didn't have a whole lot new i mean main the main news was the uh the uh gigafactory in mexico which uh they kind of scooped themselves or at least mexico scooped them in terms of releasing that info uh i mean i really did enjoy the manufacturing bit but i felt like most of it like especially the beginning with the stuff that was about, um, you know, our path for a sustainable future, we've gone over that. I mean, most of that was the master plan part one and, you know, bits about how so little actual surface area is needed to provide enough solar for the whole world, that, that kind of thing. We've seen that, or at least if you've been watching Tesla for a while, you've already seen that. I mean, you have to think about the audience, I guess the, they called it investor day, maybe the audience is for investors, but, you know, really, why now? It, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, sure. So I, I, that's an open question for me. And then also, I thought the main things that it was billed as, this is master plan part three. And I don't feel like I got a clear message on what was master plan part three and what distinguished it from master plans part one and two, especially since those other ones are still in process. And so I didn't see a, <laughs> I didn't see a big advantage for talking about this stuff now, like the, um, you know, the new sort of manufacturing that's, that's interesting. Uh, but they probably could have held on that because the, the real thing for that was this, this new platform, right? This, uh, new platform that they gave no information about and except, that, except the manufacturing, except that it's coming. Right. And what was well, funny is during that, that part, um, you know, even Franz says, uh, and that, you know, that next generation platform, which we won't show now, 
You know, <laughs> when he said yeah, that, yeah, like you just feel all the, the wind air, right out of it. You could just feel this collective sigh, like, oh man, and the whole audience. And it's like, why are we even here? <laughs> At least that was the feeling. Um, well, so sure, it was it was interesting, but I just didn't understand why it was happening now and why it was three hours long. And it just so so riddle, awesome. riddle me this, so, Doug. No, I'm um, really. Take a shot. So so <laughs> this is an investor show and tell, right? Wouldn't it make sense? I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here slightly. So <laughs> you wouldn't it make that. sense? Yeah, never. Wouldn't <laughs> dream of it. Uh, at least from Elon's world, would it make sense to show how great they are at manufacturing and how efficient they're going to be and how much of a profit margin they're going to be able to produce on these new platforms as part of investment day, investor day? Um, I'm trying to find a, a a silver lining here to what they did show yeah, us. I, I mean, I would I would agree. Um, it's just why. Again, my question is why now? They could have waited a couple months and done it at the annual shareholder meeting. Um, I mean, these are great for Tesla, right? It's uh, it's basically free advertising, right? All the news outlets yeah. cover it. All the buzz, um, everybody watching. Right. Um, you know, in terms of investors, I mean, at least the short-term reaction to it wasn't positive. Uh, That's an understatement. So, so you sort of wonder, uh, was it, if, if it had a little more meat to it, uh, or if it had been a little bit more concise, um, then maybe I'd be a little more up on it. But um, yeah, I, I found it a bit disappointing. Uh, I mean, a little behind the scenes for everybody. Uh, originally, we, we planned to do uh, a live stream of, of that and sort of live reaction to it. And it didn't work out because of scheduling things with, with our members. And man, I'm glad it didn't work out because that would have been, <laughs> that would have been pretty torturous to, to sit through all that and, and react to it. Um, I were, I watched the first hour and then I was out doing stuff and I appreciated being able to play it back at two X speed to, uh, to, to get it, you <laughs> to know? get through it. Yeah. I mean, Elon uh, is a smart guy, but he's uh, not the greatest presenter. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, uh, I mean, See, I, here I, we are I, trying I, to, as we try to communicate right here. But right. I, have, but I thought it was just me thinking the same thing as I was watching them thinking, man, you could, you could take a lesson from Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, do Toastmasters. Uh, there are videos you can find on YouTube of Eric Schmidt doing Toastmasters uh, many years ago, you know, the, the former CEO of, uh, of uh, Google. Um, and, you know, I, we're, we're presenting now, we're talking, we, are, we have we are, fillers in our, in our, and we take pauses <laughs> and all this stuff. So we're, none of us are perfect Glass speakers. Glass houses. Glass houses. That's right. Yeah. None of us are perfect speakers, but uh, Elon <laughs> could really use some work. And, uh, <laughs> and so when you're just sitting there waiting for the next word to come out, uh, it's nice to be able to play back at yeah. 2x speed. Oh, it's and, funny I mean, that you, you, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, Mike. You, all right. I was going to comment, even though we didn't have a live stream, I had a, uh, a little uh, posse that was texting me during this mm. whole thing. Cause they know I'm big Tesla guy and all this. And the over, the overwhelming comment was, you know, he seems to drift a lot, <laughs> you know, and they were referring to Elon and the fact that he'd kind of go in this little dream state and kind of pause for a bit and then get back on track. Um, it was interesting to hear non Tesla people's reaction to watching this show. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the I mean it was very clear is that the master plan was basically here's our math behind what we think the future of energy stuff is which was kind of like that's what your master plan one was you just you kind of updated 
your views on things and you're planning on releasing a paper in the future, but you haven't actually released the paper yet. So we don't yeah. really know if your numbers make sense. And so it kind of, I agree with you, kind of didn't feel like there was a real new master plan, but it was interesting to see some of the details around the new manufacturing oh, yeah. changes and stuff. Like Absolutely. That. So I did. I did appreciate those things. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's, he's showing, he's showing the rest of the manufacturing world, just how far behind they are. Um, I mean, given this comes on the heels of Ford announcing that they've got an extra two or three kilometers of wiring in their car that they didn't know about. And, you know, some of the other challenges, you know, manufacturers have trying to build EVs at scale. Um, I, I think he kind of put a stake in the ground and said, right here, this is this is where we are now. And this is where we're going to be. Have fun catching up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, so um, so we have a, a slide here we're showing from uh, the Investor Day, and it basically says, yeah. you know, a sustainable energy economy is within reach, and we should accelerate it. How the master plan works, and they basically talk. It says 240 terawatt hours of storage, 30 terawatt hours of renewable, or sorry, 30 terawatts of renewable power, 10 trillion dollars in manufacturing investment, yeah, just one half of the energy required less than 0.2% of land area required, 10% of the 2022 world GDP, and zero insurmountable resource challenges. So some of these numbers don't necessarily make sense without having some context behind them. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is basically their math behind what they view the master plan three being. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they actually release the paper with some details because some of these things seem extremely uh, optimistic. conservative to me uh, <laughs> yeah. in some areas and optimistic as hell uh, in others. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, you know, I was going to say, it just doesn't seem that clear to me what uh, what percentage of this is Tesla in terms of what they need to do. And I think the biggest thing that's missing from this is the um, the interference of uh, entrenched existing interests, right? Like how much lobbying is the oil industry going to do to slow this stuff down? Oh, or even God. even power companies preventing people from yeah, uh, you know, putting. I, I, solar I can on think of lots of challenges. <laughs> um, and and what's the real time frame? I mean, we're talking what? another 20 years or something uh, for, for this right. kind of goal. And it just, I, I feel like, again, master plan part one and two already had this kind of stuff. You know, you have Tesla and then Tesla energy. Okay. We're making, we're making batteries. Now we're making, uh, you know, stationary storage. Now we're making uh, solar panels. Okay. So what, what's new here? Um, that's not clear to me. In the presentation, they talked about needing, um, you know, electric uh, boats and planes. Uh, I didn't get the sense that Tesla is planning to do that stuff themselves. It's just, you know, it's just as possible. So it should be done. Okay. But, you know, uh, Optimus is going to save wait, all wait, of wait. us, right? Pixie dust and the magic wand. Yeah. Well, or, I mean, or should I say I, electrons are the magic wand? I, I agree with all these conclusions, though. Like, yeah, we should have uh, electric boats. Uh, I think that's definitely doable. All this stuff sure. is doable. Uh, the main thing is is financial incentives. You know, uh, right. existing companies don't have a real reason to do this stuff. So, I mean, the, the, you really, I guess, you need things like, you know, 
dare you say, government regulation uh, or incentives <laughs> to, to make those things happen. And uh, and all that is, you know, means political money from lobbyists trying to keep it from happening, uh, you know, from those entrenched interests. So, yeah. And is, the, and is this global, right? Like, are we talking about this is, is this, so if this is global, like, well, you've got all these other foreign governments that have to mm-hmm. also come on board with it. So yeah, it's one, okay. like, yeah, okay, the EU is probably fine with going to all these renewables, but like China, you know, India, Russia, you know, are you going to have the uh, same drive the in East. other markets? I mean, the whole Middle East, you know, you've they're, got they're, a lot yeah. of oil interest there. So it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, like in theory sounds good, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so to their credit, I mean, uh, some of the Middle East, you know, like the UAE, for example, they've been fairly forward-looking and because they know that, you know, the oil is a finite resource and, and they got so much money and they want to make sure that they are able to be part of the future still. So, you know, I, I don't know. I You try to, uh, you know, hope for the best and, and try to give people the benefit of the doubt in terms of, uh, you know, also wanting a positive future. Uh, the, the thing is, though, that their biases and what people believe is a positive future often is uh, affected by what um what they perceive as good for their financial future as well right, right? uh so if, if you work in the oil industry you're more likely to believe that climate change is a hoax or whatever uh right and that's just the way it is because your brain is going to work in a way to uh to make you feel comfortable with the things you think you need so that you don't lose you know what you currently have sure so yeah yeah i, I mean it's interesting this. I was just going to say this one slide just glossed over all of that. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, we'll see. So they, they claim they're going to release a paper. We'll, we'll, you know, dig into it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in a future episode when that actually does get released. So there are a couple interesting things that we should talk about, you know, other than the master plan itself. Um, we can, uh, I don't know, we can kind of go down a list here. So there was some Q and a stuff around bi-directional charging coming to Tesla vehicles. Um, I thought that that was interesting. I personally, I don't think that they'll do this ever um, just based on how Elon spoke in the past. He did hint that it could, maybe it kind of depends. Yeah, I was, don't know. It was Mike, what, what are your thoughts best. on this? He was lukewarm at best, but I think, I hope the market can push him into it. I, sure. I think there is a good use for that, or at least to, as a consumer, I, I wish for the option to have it. How's that? That right. should be my choice, not not the car manufacturer's choice. Right. The, uh, Tesla has we'll been on this on this uh, topic for a bit for for years, uh, even even from the Roadster days. And uh, you know, basically, the the most benefit is time shifting charging. You know, uh, and yep. um, and then there are also arguments about the um, the value of the battery. If you're putting more cycles on that battery, that's optimized for travel right it's not it's not optimized for stationary storage you're there's a cost associated with that you're you're reducing you're wasting cycle life uh and and some calendar life on on that that battery that's for your car but are you really i mean given the amount of use that people would in reality actually do and use their car as a home power well, it depends. You, if you look at it as an emergency thing then maybe not uh but if you are doing it using it to uh say like sh- shed power between four and nine and then, and, and you're, <laughs> you're using some some cycles like when your solar isn't available at night and you're trying to use some of that 
car power to uh, to reduce your your cost of charging during the during the night or your cost of, of electricity sure. usage at night. Um, I, I thought it was funny the way the way Elon spoke about it. It was like, well, it's useful if you have a power wall. So that's right. So if, if anything, you got that other little thing, we'll sell you here. <laughs> yeah. So my sense was that the way he talked about it was he didn't want it to be something that would uh, prevent people from buying this other product that they already have. Right. So yeah, if you have a power right. wall, then it can be useful. Uh, and he wasn't wrong. Uh, sure, it'd be great to have a power wall and that. But if for emergency use, I could see somebody without a power wall and wanting to use their car that way. And Honestly, they should do it only because it's something that consumers want. It's a pretty big selling point for the uh, for the F one fifty. The Ford F one fifty is it's a huge selling point, although and, it's very pricey to implement. And they talked about it on the Leaf years ago too uh, in Japan uh, via you know bi directional the chat demo. Um, did they actually implement that? Yeah, I think they did. Uh, yeah. Particularly during you know. Uh, you might have some flooding and, and uh, typhoons in, in Japan, and it was right. useful for that. So, you know, they should do it. It's just, and it basically sounded like they might do it, but uh, they, you know, yeah. kind of power wall. Yeah, yeah, five power walls yeah. is the main. Yeah. Is the main well, I, I guess my, my follow up question would be, you know, if they do it, it are you going to be married to Tesla's power wall only, or can you use anybody's power wall? It's not any good. Yes. It, yeah, it's it's not yeah. any good if you have to use Tesla's Powerwall. You should I use anybody's. can't imagine them opening that part up. It, oh come on, they opened up superchargers finally. <laughs> yeah, you know, one, mean, of the, one of the first uh, use cases for the bi-directional charging that came up was back in the early days of I'm a stranded uh, EV driver. You know, I'm, I, I ran out of charge because you know there's no place to charge, and another guy, another EV could come up and yeah. get me enough Again, to get home. share a few few electrons. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, that would be nice. It just becomes less necessary as, as we get a, a more ubiquitous charging network and people like AAA come with uh, some kind of, you know, charging. I don't know, man. Like the, the, an analog of the can of gas to, to keep you going. AAA has been a disappointment with Tesla. I mean, you call them for a tow or you call them for road service and you say Tesla and they just say sorry and hang up the phone. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you can understand why they would do that now as they don't want the liability in their expensive vehicles. But, uh, you know, in the future, if, if we have that future, I, I hope they get better. Majority EVs, they'll have to be able to. Uh, they're going to have to get better. I, I mean, like, yeah, I would view it as, okay, maybe that worked five years ago, but that's just going to make AAA go away, not Tesla go away, right? Like right. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's not good for their own business, but all right. Um, we have a, we have a bunch of these to, to, to get through. So let's, let's jump on. Um, so they did announce this kind of leaked, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Doug, it kind of leaked before investor day, but you know, they announced a new factory in, uh, in Monterey, Mexico. Um, I, I guess that I, I felt it weird that they didn't want to just say Monterey like they have with all the other ones. Every other one is like a state or, you know. Well, if they said Monterey, city, you got Monterey, Monterey, California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Monterey, California it's spelled it's differently, though. It's spelled no one, differently. No one knows, I don't know how to, I don't know the difference. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> Number of ours. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. So I don't but, think uh, most people will, will, will get that distinction. But, um, yeah. yeah. So Gigafactory, Mexico. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. It's, you know, smaller footprint. Um, and I guess this is, did they say this is to manufacture, yeah, it's to manufacture their next gen vehicle. 
So this was like a passive way of saying we have a new vehicle coming, but we were going to give you no information about it, except that it's you know going to be fifty percent cheaper to manufacture than our That's right. and or and wise. But uh, yeah, thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, the, so the footprint is more efficient. <laughs> Um, you know, by a lot, by a lot, which is really cool. Like, like the improvements in the manufacturing and a lot of the efficiencies and things, um, stuff that they're doing with the newer, um, they they mentioned like 48 volt, uh, electric systems and things like that. Yeah. I would get that judgment on all that stuff because, um, you know, with the gigafactory in, uh, in Reno, uh, or Sparks, Nevada, they talked about the machine that makes the machine and, uh, and mm-hmm. it, that didn't really work out the way they expected. And back with the Model Y, maybe, yeah, with the Model Y, they were talking about doing 48 volt and mm-hmm. and they just had to abandon it because they weren't going to be ready to do that. Um, well, wasn't that part Cyber of the truck for the lithium battery uh, for the 12 volt replacement? I mean, as it stands, it's something like 15 volts or 16 volts because they have to step it down because none of the accessories work with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that detail, but it was something, anyway, the 48 volts is something they're planning to do earlier and they right. weren't able to follow through with it. Uh, <clears throat> if they, in fact, have it for the Cybertruck, then, you know, you expect going forward, they'll they'll be able to do it. Cybertruck itself is supposed to have uh, a whole, you know, different sort of manufacturing. Like it's sort of supposed to be, in a, in a way, designed for manufacturability and this new platform uh, even more so. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I would just... I would just reserve, yeah. I would just, you know, I'll be wait cautious. till I see it, you know. Be cautious. They're yeah. still working out, out the kinks with their new batteries that they're making and, you know, the 4680s and all the other kind of stuff, right? So, right. Who so, knows yeah, how wonder, long this will take. I wonder why. Why announce this now? Uh, like, maybe be a little further on. I understand it in terms of the batteries because that was, you know, part of Battery Day, which is strictly, you know, a recruiting effort, Right. So if we don't have it done yet, but we want people to come work on it and it's something exciting, come work on this. Uh, but, uh, you know, they didn't talk about this as being a recruiting effort. This was uh, for investors. So, yep, this this is the show investors that Tesla is uh, leading the way for manufacturing I, I feel like, and efficiency. I, I feel like the part that Elon was hoping was going to help with the investor per- perception was the optimist stuff because he did this whole thing of like, uh, there's going to be more optimists than humans on the planet. Yeah, and it was just right. like, yeah, no one buys that shit anytime soon. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I would say that um, there is that optimism. Uh, I think, you know, long-term investors in Tesla are already looking that forward. So I kind of feel like, I mean, look at, look at the market capitalization of Tesla compared sure. to all other, all, all yes. other manufacturers. I feel like that optimism is already 100%. built into the existing price, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, we're that price is there because we're thinking what Tesla will be in the future. Uh, right. And so we're like, yeah, this is what we thought you were going to be doing, you know, so just keep doing it. <laughs> so right. I, it's not going to make the know. price go up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't say know that, uh, that this particular presentation was reassuring, uh, particularly. Sure. Uh, especially since they didn't follow through on things that people, you know, okay, let's see that new platform. People are expecting to see something concrete and they didn't. And they just said, okay, that's going to be another, you know, presentation that's, uh, you know, free publicity. So for sure, <laughs> the way for that in the future. So, yeah. So, I mean, 
we'll see. New factory. I, I did think it was cool they talked about how they have an in-house team for building the facilities and stuff like that. That was kind of interesting to me. Having I've worked in places where they set up like semiconductor plants and uh, fabs and stuff, and it's just interesting to see like there's like set people, very few companies, very few teams in the world that know how to do that. So Tesla has an in-house team for building these factories. So we'll be curious to see how long it takes them to, uh, you know, to actually build um, this stuff. Uh, yeah, and uh, so now we're showing a slide about you know their hardware installation costs um, and how they deploy uh, their their equipment. Um, I thought it was cool, you know, uh, well, we'll get it. We'll get into that. We'll get into superchargers. There was some cool superchargers <laughs> stuff, but let's, let's stay on, let's stay on, on point. So, um, probably the coolest thing in the entire presentation, um, was a thing they barely said anything about, but we did a little bit of digging. Um, and I think that it'll be interesting to see is, uh, they said that they're planning on removing rare earth elements from their motors. Completely. Which, completely. Yeah. They gave no details on this whatsoever, except that this will be like revolutionary is how they framed it. And I think it'll be revolutionary. Yeah. Um, and, and we were thinking, okay, well, what could it be? Because, uh, you know, okay, it, it would have to be something with iron, right? <laughs> but right. iron so, is, is uh, very common. on its own. It's very common, but yeah. on its own, I don't think it's good enough, you know? Right. Uh, well, so, it's weak. So you need something, something new and interesting, uh, but... Uh, with readily available materials for a, a, a strong ferromagnetic material, right? Yep. And so, so we think we know what they're using. So did some Googling, did right. some reading. Our, this, this is um, our prediction. This is our prediction. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that we're right. But there's a, there's an element, or sorry, a mineral. It's not an element. It's a mineral. It's a mineral. Uh, called tetratainite. I'm probably saying that wrong, but tetratainite. Um <laughs> And it is made of uh, iron and nickel primarily. And there was a lab that announced last year that they have the ability to mass produce this cheaply. Um, and We're so cheap. they can in, in bulk. So like they can they can mass they can bulk produce mass produce this uh, material. It was originally discovered in uh, in meteorites. So it was originally was not common. It was you know it was cool. It's it's got iron and nickel in it, but it's a special crystalline structure. It's a it's a permanent magnet. And uh, but they found a way to actually artificially produce it now in large quantities, uh, relatively cheap. Um, so we're thinking this is what they're going to be using. So there's no rare earth materials needed because, uh, again, iron and nickel, both super, super common, super um, common, super cheap, easy to work and with. So, yeah, so it's a cool alloy that should actually uh, be what they're using. But we'll see. We'll wait and see. They haven't given details. Um, but yeah, I'm excited you, you about heard that. It here that, first, Lewis's heard, prediction. Yeah, heard it here first. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so that'll that'll be really interesting if they if they do end up using that, or if they have something else that I don't couldn't find or that well, I don't know. I, I was going to say, even if it's not what you think it is, the fact that they figured it out is impressive as hell. I Very. Mean, this is this is awesome from a geeky point of view. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and a call like it's going to reduce cost. It's going to. Uh, allow them to manufacture, um, you know, more cars, especially the the next gen. Um, well, so more cars, more cheaply, bigger profit margin. I yep. mean, hopefully, lower prices for the the lower end yeah. cars, so hopefully, more people hopefully. can buy cross, them. Cross cross our fingers. Yeah, yeah, I am curious. I mean, uh, how how this, if it is the uh, the alloy you think it might be, how that compares to you know the existing permanent magnets and. Uh, Right. I mean, it could be worse, like, you know, that it could have a worse, uh, you know, permanent magnetization. 
yet, you know, if it's, if we can do it cheaply, then it, it could be okay. Just make the motor a little larger or whatever. Um, right. Or it, the motor has a little bit less power, which guess what? On your lower gen, you know, yeah. or your, your, your doesn't, lower doesn't cost matter, car doesn't matter. Tesla too. You, 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 don't, you don't need 800 horsepower, 1,000 horsepower in a, you know, $20,000 Tesla or whatever it's going to be. Well, I mean, that's the spirit of engineering is trade-off. Efficiency. And, and optimization. Right. 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 So, uh, you know, yeah. if they... If they can do it for less cost or, or they, I guess they were trying to, the whole pur purpose, I guess, from this uh, presentation was that forward looking uh, sustainability, right? Like right. how much, how many things do we have to mine to make this happen? Uh, and uh, they did sort of present like, well, you know, if, if everything goes EV, because the, the thing is that the naysayers are always finding things to criticize EVs on, right? They oh well, you have to do all that mining for all those that's you know, right. whatever that's materials right. as if we're not already having to mine things for the existing fossil fuel uh, infrastructure right we still need those things for for existing ice cars uh and you still need electric motors for existing ice cars right you know there are tons of little right. motors in, the, in those vehicles anyway so um it's like uh, you know these days you hear a lot in britain about uh about the dust created from from tires the tire wear dust as if as if that's not already an issue with gas cars you know right it's like come on like diesel yep. isn't already doing that to you indeed so we'll you know we'll see what comes of it we'll we'll definitely update if when we get more details and then that'll be a really really interesting to see if we were right um all right uh so let's see we got uh so many topics sorry uh unlimited <laughs> charging so unlimited charging coming to texas lone star state yeah this is not really going to be useful for me personally i looked um but for those of you out there in texas uh they're planning on providing a uh 30 dollar a month unlimited overnight home charging for your car uh which I definitely would say if I was commuting to work every day, I would do in a heartbeat. It would be amazing. Um, but I, I'm wondering if there'll be some caveats to this. Like you'll be rate limited to the 40 amps, not the 80 amps that, you know, some of the other models right. can do. Yeah. How do they keep you from uh, like hacking it to run the rest of your house? Off that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> off that, that. $30 well, I mean, Tesla. Charge. I mean, that's every Tesla's got an ID on for the charging system. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean that. So, I mean, I could see. That doesn't mean it's not it possible. <laughs> I didn't yeah, say it was possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I what I imagine there would. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. They're gonna definitely leverage their software, right? Their their wall chargers and their cars. They monitor, right? Like you can look in the app and say, like, oh, how much did I spend this month? And whatever. So for me, I'm averaging like $6 a month, not factoring in the fact that I have solar panels. So it's really probably not costing me anything. Um, but that solar could be used for other stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm paying out of pocket like $6 a month on average. But, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, if you were if I was commuting every day, like my worst month was definitely more than $30. Like I had a month where I spent, you know, I think like 50 or $60 for charging and that wasn't even commuting every day. So, yeah, it's interesting because I, I charge four EVs at home and between the four EVs, we probably put on anywhere from three to 4,000 miles a month. Uh, my electric bill to feed the EVs runs about 125 a month. Okay. 30 bucks a month it might save me a little bit of money, 
but not a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's here yeah. in the state. Now, now, granted, I am running. I, I do my charging non-peak times because they give me a break for that. And I do pay to get green power. Then they give me a break for that. So I get some of the benefit that you have, Lewis, from solar without actually having to put the solar in place. Right. So while it's interesting, I'm not sure how appealing it is to me. And this all stems because power is cheap at, in Texas, especially at night because of the wind farms, basically. So off, it's basically off-peak hours. Um, there's tons of uh, tons, tons of, cheap, of extra power, extra power going. So and, and that thirty dollars is, I assume, per vehicle. Like if you have, three, uh, yeah, yeah. Be, that would be my guess. That's my assumption. Tesla, it's not like you're gonna. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so, I assume it's per vehicle for sure. Yeah, so it's definitely reading the ID of the vehicle, and Tesla has all the information about how much uh, power, how much uh, energy, I should say, uh, each vehicle has consumed while plugged right. in. So that that's right. how they can police it, I guess. If you're worried about your electric bill, there are easier ways to hack it to get an advantage than yeah. trying to mess yeah. with this. And, and <laughs> but Mike, Michael Michael Mooney's got an interesting comment about Florida. FPL has a thirty dollar limited charging plan, but it's not worth it because then they charge triple for off peak usage. Yeah, that, that's where they grab you at. You know, even here, if if I charge between four and nine p.m., it's it's very expensive. Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, and that's when you're home cooking dinner and trying to cool <laughs> your house down with air conditioning. <laughs> so. yeah, in Texas, at least at least in Austin, um, we don't have uh, time based power. It's it's tiered based on your total usage of the month. So first 500 kilowatts or this price, next 500 or this price, it just keeps going up in cost. So I had that. But it doesn't matter what time of day. Yeah, I had that originally, but it was very expensive to put an EV into that plan because uh, once you once is. you left that base tier it got really expensive yeah yeah it, it, it definitely gets expensive um but that's that's why i have solar <laughs> but yeah. uh anyway um all right so that's good news for some folks in texas i guess uh let's sure see is. so we we touched on this a little bit but yeah we basically have these new mystery vehicles uh that they don't <laughs> tell us anything about that a lot of people are hoping for details um and yeah so they got sheets on them. There's two of them. That's right. Um, yeah. So I, you know, looking at this, right, and this one looks this, like the Roadster, maybe. No, <laughs> no I'm just so, kidding. One looks well, like I a delivery van. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. For, for one thing, this is again their their Ford-looking switch mm. to electric vehicles, and uh, they had a slide that basically showed, you know, the, I don't know where they get these numbers from, except that probably the relative uh, size of these types of vehicles, right? So they're saying, you know, a 20 million semis, right? Uh, 380 million uh, Model Ys and Model 3s, you know, only 40 million S's and X's, right? So they have another uh, category, and then it, it appears to be, they say 300 million of basically trucks, I guess. Trucks, yeah, like box trucks. delivery and, trucks. And it looks yeah. like yeah. a box delivery vehicle, and that I would believe, and that's something they've sort of alluded to. And they should definitely do. I mean, you know, oh, why let, why let Rivian, uh, you know, <laughs> take all that market? Right. Um, that's what a last mile delivery vehicle. And then the other thing is, you know, that I, I believe that's supposed to be the next gen vehicle. And they say 700 million. And no. I, part of the reason they say 700 million is that it's supposed to be cheap. Small and cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but they didn't give us any information about it. It almost looks like a two door, um, but... 
I don't know. It's very, it's very small. It's hard to tell. Obviously, yeah, it's I, under a sheet. It, it could just be random. It couldn't be. Yeah, it yeah. might not be anything. It's like here's right, right. here's a generic image or something with it, a sheet over it. An artist made a sheet <laughs> picture. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. So it's interesting. We'll see what comes of that. Um, that certainly would generate a lot of revenue for Tesla. I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, it's I guess you know they are, are talking about a lot of new manufacturing capability, right? Uh, and so, yeah, if they're selling more, I'm not sure what kind of margins they, they want to have on that cheaper vehicle, uh, then there's more money to be made. Uh, so <laughs> I guess I guess it makes sense. Uh, but I, the thing I always come back with this, I think about the current service situation. And, and you know, I, I said this years ago when they first talked about the Model 3 while it was you know, supposed to be that was supposed to be the thirty thousand dollar car, which maybe it is kind of now, but wasn't when it came out. Um, you know, if you're going to have Toyota prices, you need to have Toyota service, right? Toyota level service, um, and uh, they seem to be working towards that, but they just aren't there yet. And they are not imagine, there. Yet. <laughs> imagine, yeah, seven hundred million lower cost vehicles and. Okay, maybe they don't need as much service. Maybe it's and you know maybe it's an easier thing. But people do need things, particularly you get in an accident and you need repairs and uh, you know you need you need a better level of service. So hopefully, as they're scaling all this manufacturing, they they really think back to how they can scale uh, service uh, accordingly. And I honestly hope they do a better job with figuring out the whole tire situation and uh, like you know, with alignment and everything else, because there's such an issue with like the high end Tesla cars having like going through tires like crazy. If you have folks that are, you know, looking for economical, they're buying a $20,000 car, but they got to change their tires every two years. Like that's a big hit, <laughs> you know, for, for cost. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I'm hopefully in, their engineering comes up with a, you know, and it, it may just be it just, you know, it's easy to do with the different suspension, but the cars are heavy. Um, you know, that torque from those motors, it, it tears up the tires quick. So, well, or, or it's just going to be what I read where GM is, uh, picked up a significant amount of business repairing Teslas. <laughs> oh yeah. For the, yeah, the wall street the journal had a great article on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you know, does Tesla care where their car gets fixed? Maybe, maybe not. So I found it interesting, you know, so looking at this, you know, the slide, the, the plan to eliminate fossil fuels, and they talk about like the grid, the re renewable power, switch to electric vehicles, switch to heat pumps, high temp yep. heat delivery and hydrogen, and then sustainability fuel planes Ooh, and boats. Hydrogen. So save the world. Um, heat pumps is interesting. Like, <laughs> do we think Tesla is going to get into HVAC type systems for residential and commercial I, stuff? I, you think they're going to grow into that market? my house. <laughs> I mean, there are companies that make them. It's just, is Tesla going to be selling them? You think this is going to turn into a business sector for them? It could. They've been hinting at it and they've been asked about it before, particularly when the, what did they call it? The Octavalve, I guess, for the, yeah. the heat pump yeah. for the Model Y. Yeah. And, uh, and he's taught, you know, Elon has talked about it. Ooh, we could, we could design one. Uh, I mean, obviously there are other companies that do this. I I don't know that Tesla could do it better than those other companies. Maybe they could. Uh, Tesla is willing to start over 
and uh, and optimize from the from the beginning uh, as opposed first to principles. okay as opposed to yeah from first principles as opposed to we already make this stuff what existing parts can we you know parts then can we pull from to make something that we can sell cheaply and is good enough. Um, my only concern, I'd love them to go ahead. Yeah, make heat pumps, probably make the best of the industry better. Uh, but uh, OK, we have to already it comes back to service again. We have to already come back to people's experiences with power walls and with their solar insulation. And yep. uh, that has been less than satisfactory. Less uh, than stellar. You know, I have a, I have a friend that got a, uh, a power wall as a um, it was like one of his uh, gifts for uh, for the referral program, and uh, he can't get them to uh, install it <laughs> or or get it permitted properly. Uh, and do we trust then? Okay, this should be part of Tesla Energy making heat pumps. I think that would be great. Integrated with solar, if you have an all electric house, you know, have heating that is um, instead of you know resistive heating, which is. 100% efficient, right? Because it's right. just converting electric energy into heat, and that's very easy to do. Uh, dual heating is very easy, but you know, a heat pump is is a is a uh, you know a heat machine, right? It moves heat around, even if it's cold outside. It can pull heat out of the air there <laughs> and pull right. it in. And especially if you do things like um, you know uh, geothermal, uh, and it, this doesn't have to mean like having uh, hot springs in your house. And basically, if you just dig like a few feet into the ground, you know, the earth is, I forget where it is, but it's, it's around like 50 degrees Fahrenheit constantly. So just think about that. Like in the summer, 50 degrees sounds pretty cool. I'd like to get that cool temperature into my room, right? Uh, and in the winter, 50 degrees sounds pretty warm, actually, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's a great uh, heat sink for you to do that uh, heat exchange and and either sink heat into the ground or pull heat from the ground and bring it into your uh, into your house. So if you're building a new house or if you have uh, a large lawn, you know you can just sort of run uh, you know coolant pipes through you know horizontally through your lawn. Or if you don't have a lot of land, something you just go straight down and uh and pull that energy out so heat pumps are great they make a lot of sense i don't really know what um what tesla would do there i mean i think mm -hmm. they do need to be a bit more focused on delivering their promises as far as cars are concerned uh right. they probably do have the bandwidth within tesla energy to do something like that i just caution about the the service uh part sure. of it not not just service but just uh Installation uh, and installation and um, service in terms of not repair, but service in terms of, uh, you know, serving customers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, you have in residential, you generally have all these just random contractors, right? Electrical contractors, HVAC companies. And so they really might be better served to like have a product and sell a product to those companies and train them on how to install them as opposed to, trying to do it all themselves because they've already pulled back on their solar install in-house and kind of moved that off out, out of their own control because it's just too much, right? It's, it's a lot of staff. It's a lot of logistics and they have right. other more important things to focus on. Except that, that's been part of the problem though. If I, I think again, you know, within TMC, we have a lot of people that talk about these things. Um, they use the installer that is recommended, the Tesla recommended installer that 
actually wasn't very good. It's terrible. Yep. So I don't know how Tesla <laughs> is determining who yeah. is qualified and is a recommended installer. Um, because I've seen some horror stories from recommended installers doing crap work. Um, right. So yeah, they, they just, Hey, guess what? Maybe hire more people and, uh, you know, another actually, option. and well, actually hire, you know, hire the right people. You got to hire yeah. the right people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge, but anyway, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, so let's see. So there was, there was a bunch of news around, uh, superchargers. So I was really impressed with the prefab supercharging manufacturing stuff they showed, which I thought was really awesome. Um, Drop it in place. <laughs> yeah, they they like a big part of how they were able to reduce their costs with installing was they prefab the setup. They were doing what like four charger stalls, four, four, four stalls four stall on, together, on a single, and they pad. just have this on this single pad and this whole thing, and they just put it on a truck and drive it there, and then take a you know, crane, put it on the ground and then, you know, pour the concrete or whatever, but like, or yeah, I guess dirt, depending on where it is, but like, it was just really cool. It was just like, man, that was, that's such a good idea for reducing costs and like also improving quality because you can very easily QC, you can have good quality control around making sure that most of that stuff is set up correctly. So the hookup into the local power is just the only real, you know, thing that they have to do. Um, anyway, that was, that was really cool. Uh, so lots of, uh, yeah, lots of good price reduction. Um, it was interesting to see, they said like their numbers of how much per kilowatt it costs for the, inst- like, you know, basically it's costing them not counting the electricity. Um, and that's been going down. Um, so yeah. if they can continue to improve on that, that might actually reduce our, you know, supercharging rates, um, or it'll just increase the revenue from it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. what do you think? So Mike, you, you also were really impressed with that. I, I was, um, you know, they've been, they've been putting the supercharger stalls around where I'm at, like cookies. Uh, I, I can, I can name three right now that are under construction. And I know of two more that will start construction this year. So watching them go from a conventional where they trench and they pour the slab and they put them on one at a time versus this Lego assembly where they literally mm-hmm. crane it in place and and they're done in days instead of weeks. That's impressive. Yeah, I think yeah. the um, you know the, the the prefab model, like uh, you know building a house, you know as opposed to it uh, being a very bespoke thing, having okay here's our existing walls that are already made and they show up and just put them in place. Uh, that that sort of thing with supercharging makes a lot of sense. You know some locations they feel kind of custom, you know. <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, a parking lot's a parking lot. And yep. especially if they're like in like four stall units and that's something mm-hmm. that can fit on the back of a flatbed and they can just with a crane, drop it in place and tie it together. Well, you know, my thought when I watched the, when I saw this and I watched them doing the demo of how it worked, my very first thought was the new mega stall stations they're putting in where they've got, you know, 32, 40 stalls at a time, like out in Baker, for example. I mean, once they've got the land and they got it level, they could crank that whole 40 stalls out in a day, maybe two, just getting everything positioned and then wiring it up with these prefabs. I mean, they could right. really reduce the, the time needed. And that lot. makes the, the goals we talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of uh, 
Tesla essentially doubling their supercharger installation. I think they could do it if this is any indication. Yeah, that makes it sound <laughs> re realistic. Yeah. Realistic, um, for sure. At, at early days, it seemed to be the biggest uh, holdup was, um, you know, the local landowner or where they're putting it. Uh, but if they can streamline that and people see it as a desirable thing, uh, then yeah. I, I wonder if that's still the case, you know, given the positive PR that Tesla gets about their supercharger system. Still probably the yeah. case. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you're getting, you're, you should be past the, the foreign part of it, of like, this is some new thing I don't understand. Yeah, well, what's this EV thing you're talking yeah, about? Do right? I even yeah. want these people here? <laughs> um, you know, it's going to cause uh, a big fire or something. Um, I, I think that the now that there's more public awareness, I think that's sort of going away. And, uh, you know, it's... It, that the time of the supercharge uh, is pretty good, right? That sort of 20 minute, uh, at least for people traveling, uh, that's pretty much perfect, right? You plug in and you go in yeah. and you maybe you buy You got something. a chance to grab a bite or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so I, I think it's uh, probably positive for most uh, now, locations. Now, the interesting thing is around here, a lot of the superchargers, the newer superchargers are going more front and center of, of the malls or wherever they're putting them. They're not way in the back out of sight like they used to be. Uh, the, the one charger I tend to use a lot, and I know Lewis has no idea what I'm talking about because he doesn't supercharge. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll actually plan our shopping, our grocery shopping trip. We'll plan it around the supercharger because we'll go there. We know where it's at. We know we've got 35 minutes. You know, typically, hmm. we'll plug in, lock the car, go inside, grocery shop, come back, fill the car, and leave. And we're done. It, it's it's great, and I'm seeing more of these locations where people are able to do that. You know, with the supercharger, it's not like the EVgo stuff tends to be like way out of sight in the back south forty of the yard. Yeah, the EA, EA is at the banks around here. A lot of the B of A banks have EA chargers, but mm -hmm. no one's using the bank at ten o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night. <laughs> sure. you know, so. Well, the um, again the sort of early days history. Uh, their recommendation was to stop putting them close to the entrances and actually put them far away because that reduced the chance of them getting iced, right? That a, that a gas car yeah. would just be stealing the spot and then no one can charge. Um, but I think uh, these days- I've seen that occur both ways. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would hope these days that again, there's a little more understanding and, and also penalties uh, for, for people doing that. Uh, well, so. you know, the big thing I see right now is is we're not getting iced by the trucks. We're getting iced by fellow Teslas and Bolts and Mach-E's. You know, people will pull in thinking, oh, I'm an EV, I got preferred parking and they walk away. They don't plug in. Without charging, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't do that. Too. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be do that, that person. <laughs> so speaking of trucks and charging uh, <laughs> installs, we did actually now see there's a video from Autofocus in the wild. He was charging. Is. So I, I should say it's, it's Marquez Brownlee, and this is one of his channels called Autofocus, where he discusses things related to cars. Yeah, yep. so he's basically this is we're showing some footage here of him charging his rivian at yeah, a, a supercharger. tesla supercharger in the snow 
in the snow. It's in cold out. Snow. Unlike EA, which <laughs> in, seems to collapse in Jersey, in the, apparently. In the cold. <laughs> He's got New Jersey plates. Jersey represent. That's where yeah. I grew up. <laughs> yeah, so this is the uh is, is it called the Magic Dock? Is that what Tesla's Magic Dock? So Magic Dock. Magic Dock, um, which is really cool. I, I like when I watched the actual like how it works, I thought that was really a smart, clever, clever idea, clever in uh design. Right. Um, so the, the key thing about the design is you want to be able to have the adapter when you need it, but not um all the time in the way. Yeah. Right, not in the way, and also you don't want the driver running off with the adapter, right? So it has yeah. a smart way of releasing it. If that's your type of car, that it releases that, um, you know, you have the app as a, a non-Tesla owner, right? You have the app, you, uh, and, and in the video, Marquez uh, dis, uh, demonstrates how that works. And you tell, you tell them what stall you're at, and it releases the, you know, the, the plug with the, with the adapter, and that adapter is locked to yep. the Tesla connector, to the, to so the, you're not uh, walking off with it. Um, yeah. I noticed also that they used aluminum uh, uh, hooks, you know, on the, the latch. Yeah. So it's not some cheap plastic that's going to break off in the cold. Uh, so it's pretty smart. Yeah. And, um, and if you could put Michael Mooney's comment back up, uh, Mr. Producer, uh, he had a comment here. So far, no one's been able to pull more than 150 kilowatts from superchargers to non-Teslas with CCS. Uh, let me address that for you for a second. I've been using CCS for a year now on my Tesla. And I've been to many EA, EVgo, ChargePoint, Loop, you know, you name it, I probably used it at one time or another. And the vast majority of those chargers, no matter what the rating on the on the side decal says, can't supply more than 100 kilowatts. You know, if I'm lucky, I'll get 125 kilowatts out of it. If I'm lucky, so I'm not sure that's a real penalty for someone using the supercharger. The fact used that the CCS it works, yeah, yeah. The, the fact that the CCS is there and it works is a huge improvement over most CCS chargers. And I think a lot of people are going to be very grateful for that. Oh, man, is this, a, this is a dude in the F-150 Lightning that just pulled up and is using it. Yeah, right. so the cable's a little, cable's a little short. <laughs> right, so, I mean, that's, that's the problem here is, is that yeah. there is no real standardization on the location of the charge port. No, um, no, and, and he's and, as close as he can get. And what seems <laughs> to be happening with uh, the F-150 and also the Rivian, they tend to put it on the left front quarter panel. Um, and so... What's what's interesting about that is that at a Tesla supercharger, you're you essentially have to pull into the spot adjacent to the one that's intended for Tesla users, right? Yeah. So that's over. a bit of a two problem, spots. right? So you might end up essentially blocking a charger for, and now if another uh, Rivian or something pulled up, maybe that would work. Uh, but that's an issue. And the other issue that's being demonstrated by this video right now is that he's going to break his door off is what he's going to do. (laughs) Quite long enough. And even, even if it reached, even if he could plug it in, it's under so much strain that that's not good for the case. Not a good idea. Um, But they did announce. Yeah. They did announce at investor day that version four chargers that they're now deploying in Europe and will eventually make it to the U S have longer charging cables because of this exact problem. So are, are you thinking they're going to actually have a longer cord or are they going to put the cord on a small reel where you can pull an extra two feet out maybe? Mm, well, I don't know what the real distinction is there. It's still a longer cord 
Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, well you still have your aesthetic. Bad. People are making a big deal about the aesthetics that you got this nice little loop of cord, you know, at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Oh, it might be recessed. Yeah, you might yeah. not see yeah, it. Yeah, they could recess it and feed it in and have it. They could do that, uh, sure. But um, yeah, so the length is an issue, but I think that, you know, there's no real standardization. I, I think if you would ask me, where should the charge port be? I would say it should be on the front uh, right side of the car. That's what I would say, because that um, allows you to have curbside charging. Why not the center? When you say, it, it, when you say right side, do you mean passenger or driver? I mean, in the US. I mean right versus left. So on yeah. the, if you're a right hand, if you are a left hand drive, right side of the road driving <laughs> uh, country, you know, anywhere but. Be on uh, the passenger side then. Yeah, basically passenger side uh, in the US, front. On the front. Because most people, okay. at least within Western societies, you you pull in, at least in the US, I guess I should say, you pull in forward. Also, if you parallel park, you know, the, the passenger side is what's next to the curb. I am always scared if I am charging at one of these curbside charging and uh, oh, curbside charging. Oh, your hanging out in the street? Yeah, and the cable's hanging out into the road. Someone's going to yep. sideswipe me and, and destroy my uh i like body work is bad enough but if i can't charge i'm screwed right yeah um and but if if uh, tesla has already decided to put them on the left fine but if other manufacturers that are going to use the tesla network if they put it on the right front then you could also pull in at these tesla superchargers and not conflict with the uh with the existing teslas that are backing in and on their yeah. left side right so that would be compatible right yeah so, but would you really want to steal a lesson from you know, Chadabo days with the leaf and have it in the center. Uh, that's reasonable, but I think I think the front side again. I don't know how often this is, but there's some nice opportunity charging, especially in cities, of parallel parking and curbside. And if you put that on the nose, and you're like in what New York or San Francisco, uh, that's going to be a problem because uh, some of these people park by feel. I was going to say uh, braille, braille parking, you know, parking by touch. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's why I, I would say the the front right quarter panel on the side would be more advantageous than right on the nose. Um, Makes sense. And the nose, you're more likely to you know, have a collision that hurts the nose. Too, or right? just so, have one of each. Have I, two ports. That's something <laughs> that you won't see just because it costs more money. Uh, so my neighbor's uh, Audi has it, right? He has a charging port on both sides. But only one of them supports only fast one's charging. high. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say exactly. I saw that and yeah. and one, two J's and one high speed. So exactly. So I thought that was interesting. So at home he can he can charge either side technically. Right. But uh, so I guess that's good if your garage, depending on your layout or whatever. But um, to me, that's not really a problem like that. You could just fix. Yeah, uh, again, it's charge, so it doesn't matter. Right, but that that makes some sense, right? Because uh, you know the the whatever 120 or 140 or 240 that's relatively low current right? right that the cost of another one of those connectors isn't that big of a deal especially since the connectors are are, uh, are uh, you know off the shelf parts they're uh, they're mass produced now um but still the supercharging cables which are heavy and have a cost uh yeah. I, I we'd still need that if we're gonna you know right. whatever dc fast charging if you're going to pull into the existing standardization of the tesla superchargers right you know you want to do it in a way that's compatible but not that's not going to cause the uh, problems of essentially blocking a uh, a charge connector right um yeah that makes sense and so yeah so basically passenger side depending on which side of the road you drive on 
in various countries, right? It'll be on the different side, but um, that's it's a good idea. Uh, all right, so uh, the last but not least topic of the of the evening is FSD beta rollout. So FSD beta, our favorite topic, because we want it to succeed <laughs> so bad. We've spent a lot of money. I've spent way too much money on it, um, hoping for it to succeed. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole niche thing. What what the hell, man? What's happening? Did they give us news in Investor Day? Did they tell us anything, Doug? Uh, Of course not. Uh, (laughs) There wasn't much about it. I don't think they they talked talked about autopilot kind of in general, you know, but they didn't really give us any details about this. Look how great um, our software is that you can't have and we're not going to tell you when you can get it. And we, yeah, we had a recall and, oh, we're just going to ignore that and... Whatever. Right. Anyway. So like whatever, a couple of weeks ago, whatever our last, uh, you know, podcast was, we talked about this, this recall and you had to wonder, okay, what does it mean right now? Does it mean that we uh, have to lose these features until Tesla is able to fix them? Or does Tesla already have a fix ready to go? Is it included in this version 11? Uh, and, and again, the things that they discussed, uh, maybe you can help me remember it was, uh, like turn like going straight in a right turn only lane and uh the speed checking the speed limit or adjusting that at the right time basic basic things that you would hope that were already fixed right and that if they could <laughs> fix them they would have already fixed them so uh you know the the announcement uh, a few days ago which is basically tesla is pausing the rollout of fsd for people fsd beta for people that haven't already gotten it even though they're eligible for it the ones that haven't gotten it yet they're pausing right. that uh, that's concerning because that makes you think, oh, Tesla doesn't already have a solution for this. And um, and if they don't, uh, you know, I don't know how many months they have to comply with the recall. But um, if it's something they don't have now that needs to come in the future, uh, it's one of those unknowns. Uh, we don't know if they're going to actually have it done in the future. And does that mean at some point uh, people that already have it and that have paid however much money for it are going to have to lose it until they fix it to comply with this recall order. Yep. $12,000. Sorry. I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm in camp that I don't expect them at this point, based on what's happened. I do not expect them to roll it back or to, they, they've prevented from adding anybody. Michael Mooney, had a great comment pointing out like, why are they still allowing people to subscribe right now? But they paused the rollout. So you could right now sign up and go, here's my $200 a month for a thing that I can't get. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of messed up. You would think they would have froze subscriptions and maybe they'll give people refunds. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe they'll be wondering if they're going to take mine away. I mean, yeah. Um, right. Or are they going to take them away? So I don't think they're going to take them away um, for people that have paid. They're definitely not allowing new people to join. Um, and V11, I think, is their silver bullet fix. But that I don't think it actually fixes it yet. I think they're going to probably be a V. As of right now, they're on V11.3. I think there's going to be a V11.4 probably before we all get it at this rate. Um, uh, my current pessimistic outlook is... I'm hoping to have it by June. Um, I don't know, uh, Mike. Do you think sooner than that? Later than that? Uh, 
We're, uh, we were supposed to have it in. Well, okay, we'll ignore that we were supposed to have it two years ago. We were supposed right, to right. have it the end of last year, and then it was in a few weeks, and then it was the end of next week. That's right, and that and was then, a month ago. <laughs> so we're so we're a month past so, a week so, out. So we're eleven point three, right? You know, mm-hmm. and. I'm thinking if they can convince the government 11.3 fixes the recall, we could probably get it late April. Okay. Um, okay. If, so if a little, they, month and a half outish, right? Okay. It, well, I'm, I'm thinking how slow the government works. Sure. You know, um, if 11.3 doesn't fix it and they have to do something new, then all bets are off. Sure. Because at Fair. that point. You know, they'll probably say, well, if we're going to be late, then we might as well take care of these other things at the same time. Might as well we'll be really late. Right, right. And here we are back in this this bad cycle of being a year out. <laughs> I suppose there are half measures that they could do. Um, for example, the uh, the going straight in a right turn only lane. It, they could roll that back to if you're in the right lane and... Um, you know, what used to happen when you came up to a green light is it would stop at green lights, right? Uh, they could they could effectively do that, that, oh, the car comes to a stop and then you have to step on the accelerator so that, you know, there's an extra level of you having to add confirmation if they can't figure it out themselves. Uh, if the car can't figure it out itself, um, what to do there. Because it's the car effectively is just breaking the law, right? When it does that yep. and, and it doesn't require you to intervene. <laughs> So maybe they could force an intervention there if they don't solve it. Um, sure. And that's something short of, you know, basically disabling the whole thing. Taking it away from us. Yeah, taking it away from you. So relate. So I mean, yeah, it's that's fair. So related to this topic, we do have a thread, thread, a thread of, the of the week, TeslaMotorsClub.com. Check the forums. <laughs> uh, thread of the week on make full self-driving transferable. It's a petition. You paid thousands for full self-driving that you don't have. It's yet to be a reality. Having to pay for it a second time at a much higher price stops me and so many others from upgrading but, their Tesla. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying. Big tree, big tree. I believe is the, the gentleman that posted this or person. Sorry, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming big tree is, is male, but that's a terrible assumption. Um, the, the thing to point out is they want you to go to subscription and a subscription transfers because you're just paying month to month. Yep. So I think that they are not going to do this. I support your goal <laughs> as someone, <laughs> as someone who did pay outright um, and, you know, do that whole thing. Uh, but I support, I support your, uh, your wish. I will sign your petition. I don't see them doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they so, just want us to do subscription. That's really what it is. 200 a month. As long as you have the car for less than what, seven years, eight years, you're, you're covered. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember years ago, there being a huge debate about software being resold and it came down to what they call the shrink wrap law. And it was all that text that's, that's, wrapped around your software when you buy it. And as soon as you broke the shrink wrap, you had agreed to all this little teeny tiny text. And then that teeny tiny text was that you don't own the software. You're effectively using it under license. And once you're done, you have to give it back, destroy it or whatever, but you're not allowed to sell it. Um, 
I, I wonder if that's changed at all or if Tesla is using that same argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, Go ahead, I think you got to you got to feel for the people that have bought this several times where they have a lease <laughs> yeah. vehicle uh, or they've had a vehicle that's been crashed. Um, and often, you know, the insurance companies won't even cover the cost. Yeah, they don't even acknowledge it. It's like, um, yeah, sorry. You know, so, um, yeah, it should have been transferable. Uh, the truth is that Tesla hasn't done it yet. And do they have a real reason to do it? Um, you know, they definitely would want you to eventually do the um, the subscription plan because what's a subscription? That is continuous income, like regular right. income without them having to do anything new, right? Uh, so that that that's a nice model for them. The problem with that model is if you don't actually have the product yet, uh, who's gonna <laughs> really pay for it, right? And like if you're if I'm paying two hundred bucks a month and not getting a value for that, um, you know, like if I get Netflix and they and I specifically watched got Netflix to watch the office and they don't have the office anymore. Maybe I cancel Netflix. If I've been promised a car that's going to be a robo taxi and I'm uh, paying 200 bucks a month just to try out uh, the beta software, glorified maybe cruise I'm control. Gonna, maybe I'm going to sign up to do that. So they still do offer you paying up front, right? But what were you paying up front for? You're paying up front for this promise. Uh, they get hardware four in my car, which now isn't going to happen. You sons right. of bitches. Oh right. yeah. yeah. That doesn't exist there yet. you go. And, um, and dude, if, uh, if they're able to get away with people paying for it multiple times, then why would they stop? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think, so there, I think until they have a, a product that is actually, um, compelling at 200 bucks a month, they'll still offer that, um, you know, that one time, <laughs> that one time upfront cost, uh, if they can get away with it. Now, you know, the idea is here is I've paid, I guess now it's what, 15K? Yeah. If whoever has paid that 15K, yeah, really, it's a software license for software that never was delivered, right? So sure, you should be able to transfer it and then get it for free on your next, next Tesla, right? Yeah. I mean, if they should do something with a trade-in. They should absolutely yeah. do something yeah, where definitely. you bought it outright, when I do a trade-in, you give it to me on the next car, you give well, me a discount. Well, they did. They used to, I, I think they still do, is is if you buy your Tesla as a CPO, there used to be an option that you could get FSD really discounted as, as an add-in. Mm. But if you bought your Tesla through a normal dealer, it was more often than not removed by Tesla, whether sure. the car had, I mean, it was, Tesla would give it to you if you bought it from them, but they'd take it away from everybody else. Sure. So, in a way, they're offering what you asked for. Well, that's different though, because <laughs> what it is, it's this as a as a CPO, it's a car that somebody already paid for it. So the car still exists, and someone yep. already bought that license. And it's as if you know somebody is selling you a computer secondhand, and there's software like they had AutoCAD on it or whatever. Um, you know, and I can no names mentioned. You know, <laughs> the, the previous versions that uh, didn't force you to pay a subscription like they do now. With AutoCAD, so um, yeah, so that's the, how I would see that that CPO thing. Because certainly, if I buy it private uh, party, uh, you know, if I was to sell my Model Three to somebody and it has it comes with FSD beta, I would that person would be able to get the FSD beta that I paid for, right? Yes, yes. Tesla's not going to take it away in that in that sense. So in that way, it is a type of being transferable. 
The problem is I bought it and say that car doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, Tesla has really high brand loyalty. People that already have Teslas are very likely to get another Tesla. Um, so in some ways that works against us, right? Because what incentive again does Tesla really have to do something like this? Um, right. Except that its own users get pissed enough. So. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, like I can flat out say I would not buy it right now for 15 grand, but mostly because of interest rates. The, the main factor in me buying it outright, I did the math and went, well, this doesn't make sense, except I'm getting really cheap money, right? Like when I bought my car, right. interest rates were under, you know, 1% basically. <clears throat> so it was, you know, cheap money that I could then invest. That's why this primary reason I did it. But, um, but yeah, now it's like, man, can you imagine paying 7%, 8% interest and 15 grand on something that like, no, thanks. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make sense. But yeah, subscription model, I think is the way to go for now. Um, but anyway, so yep, support your petition. Agree with your thread. They're not going to do it. I wish you luck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's our show. It was an off peak or it was an uh, off night night. I yeah. guess it was the middle of the off peak. Off peak. It's after well, nine here, and I haven't eaten dinner yet, so I'm looking forward to doing that. But, get a little uh, punchy there around the edge. Anyway, so too. yeah, getting getting punchy. It's wearing a little too much. <laughs> As the as the day goes on, um, all right. So again, as always, <laughs> yeah. As always, thanks uh, thanks everyone for your feedback, and we love your support. Keep it coming. Um, as always, subscribe, hit the bell, like, do all those things. Uh, become a supporting member on the site. Uh, thank you, Adam and Danny, for behind the scenes stuff um, and making all this stuff happen. Um, and we'll see you next time. See ya.